Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. On June 22, 2011, the FBI arrested fugitive crime boss James Whitey Bulger and his girlfriend, Catherine Craig, in a modest Santa Monica apartment complex where they had been hiding in plain sight for 16 years as the number two man on the FBI's most wanted list right after Osama bin Laden Bulger had managed to escape capture for so many years that there were people who questioned how hard the FBI was actually looking for him. Uh, and that is the basis uh, in so many ways, the FBI, the involvement, his seeming um, uh, immunity or his uh, is a a fascinating and compelling part of this remarkable documentary, Whitey, the United States of America versus James J. Bulger. The director is Joe Berlinger. Joe joins us today on Film School. Joe, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I uh, Again, it, it is a, a story I think a lot of people are familiar with, sort of the broad outlines because of this sort of sensational way that he was captured and his long time away uh, uh, out of the reach of, of law enforcement. But watching your documentary, there are so many moving parts, so many layers to this thing that it really is a very, very compelling uh, film uh, and one that informed me in a way that I, I had no idea about these uh, different elements. Um, it was a story that had been told in a fictional way in a lot of movies like The Departed and such. But tell me, what was it about, what drew you into wanting to do the documentary about Whitey Bulger? Well, two things. You know, one thing is just the basic nuts and bolts. I mean, it's just a fascinating tale of crime and corruption, an almost irresistible narrative. You know, you have a, you have a guy, Whitey Bulger, who was literally on top of the Boston underworld, for 25 years, not even so much as stopped for a traffic ticket, and yet people were very aware of his misdeeds. Uh, finally, the Massachusetts State Police had enough of FBI interference with trying to bring him to justice, mounts an investigation, the FBI tips him off, he goes on the lam, as we all know now, ends up in Santa Monica, California, where I believe he was hiding in plain sight. I think in the early years there was really no effort to bring him in. And the reason there was no effort to bring him in is is Bulger corrupted a lot of people in, in not just the traditional way of, of buying information, but he, you know, compromised the integrity of how justice was pursued and how law enforcement operated in Boston. And so that that's a fascinating story. Yeah. And then as a storyteller, what, you know, someone who's been, you know, make, making films, telling stories for, for a long time... I've been I've just been fascinated by the mythology of Bulger because I've never seen a contemporary bad guy so pass into the cultural myth-making machine. You know that that you know Bulger there's there's a whole cottage industry of Bulger books and The Departed as you reference is loosely based on on the Bulger character very loosely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the Jack Nicholson character is loosely based on Bulger. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have been developing a Bulger project. Johnny Depp is currently in Boston shooting another Bulger project. There's been TV shows. There's a TV series that Fox is developing about the Bulger years in Boston. I mean, it's just, it, there's just, you know, this machine. Uh, every But, you know, it, it, 
machine tends to glamorize Bulger, and and everyone has their own perspective on who he was and what he did. And so I thought, now that he's finally been arrested and being brought back to Boston to stand trial, that the trial, you know, covering the trial the way I do in the film would be an opportunity to, you know, get to the truth of who this guy is and how he operated, uh, you know, to separate the man from the myth. So that, that, that was the motivation for the film, because even though I've been a long-time, you know, devotee of, of, <laughs> of, of this narrative, yeah. um, you know, fascinated by it, I never thought I would ever make a documentary about it, because there's just so much stuff already, and what could I add? But when I saw that he was actually being brought back to Boston to stand trial, I thought, okay, here's here's a fresh way of, you know, approaching the material, like, let's use the trial to get at the truth, uh, you know? Yeah, and, and the trial and just the progress of the in, the indictment and, the, and bringing him to justice is such a hall of mirrors. It is, it, one of the strengths of, uh, of Whitey, uh, the documentary, uh, let me just say it again, Whitey, the United States of America versus James J. Bolger, is that it takes a little while to get to know the players and to understand their relationship to one another. And I think the film is very effective at laying out the sort of the lay of the land here. Um, and that leads me to a question about, it's so important, and it's such it's such a great part of this film, is you really had access to a lot of people. Um, right. And I was curious about, you know, you were sort of, how did you get this kind of uh, access? Well, they were seemed very open to talking to you about what was going on. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I marvel at the access we got in this film. It was, it was not easy, but I guess I was determined because one of the challenges of making this film was that federal, or is that federal trials are not allowed to be filmed. And mm-hmm. in my past work, like Brothers Keeper, or Paradise Lost, or even my film Crude, I had access to legal proceedings uh, where I could actually film them. But at federal trials uh, are are off-limits to camera and, and all recording devices. So <clears throat> I knew that the trial sequences of the film were going to have to be recreated, you know, using, you know, recreation techniques and transcripts, which meant that, you know, for the documentary portion of the film, I really needed access to people. So I just worked really hard. And I think the film, you know, I, I think what's, you know, great about the film but also has, you know, engendered some of its criticism is that the film has uh, a multiplicity of viewpoints. I really don't tell what the, tell the viewer what the definitive truth is, because I think the truth of this story is that everyone who has written a book or has um, been invested in it, you know, shapes the narrative each in their own way for their, you know, for their own benefit. So, you know, yeah. uh, in, in some cases, selfish benefit. In some cases, you know, I'm not saying that everyone who rights from their own perspective is doing it for selfish reasons, but it's the truth that they believe, you know, because a lot of the so-called evidence in this case is just lots of people's testimony, and there's no real direct evidence. And so the film has this kind of Rashomon experience where there's a multiplicity of views. Um, and I think all that access we got, you know, allowed that kind of viewpoint to happen. Um, you know, for people looking for the filmmaker to, you know, lead them on a straight line and tell them, the, you know, the definitive truth about something, I think the film 
is frustrating for some, but yeah. others, you know, others don't find it frustrating. I don't find it frustrating because <clears throat> I think there are is there's possibilities that there are a number of different threads that run through this film that are that could easily be uh, true. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any one specific explanation for all of it. Right. Well, well, for me, what you know, the, the the truth that floats to the top. You know, there's different versions of reality being presented. Bulger claims he was not an informant and presents some pretty compelling evidence mm-hmm. that he wasn't, even though the conventional wisdom has always been, oh well, he was an FBI informant. That's why he got away with murder, which. Is troubling in and of itself. If you're an FBI informant, you're not supposed to get away with murder. You're not supposed to be engaging in criminal activity. Yeah. But there's also a suggestion, you know, and and with backup, that you know, Bulger's point of view that he was never an informant, but had much more corrupt reasons for being allowed to stay on the streets. Um, right. You know, we present all sides and let the viewer decide. But there, so we don't present the definitive truth about those issues. But what comes through is a much deeper truth that rises to the top, that we have not heard the full story, that certain government interests do not want the full story disclosed, um, and that, most importantly, Bulger's victims should not have been victims at the hands of Bulger. He should have been removed from the streets long before he was. Well, actually, he was never removed from the streets. He went on the lam. You know, and it's to me, it's a very hollow victory for the prosecution to declare that okay, Whitey Bulger at the age of 84 has been given two life sentences plus five years. You know, <laughs> I hope to make it to 84 under any circumstances. Yeah. You know, I mean, he basically got away with murder, and the question is why. Yeah. I think I think what rises to the top of this film is a resounding why that needs to be investigated. I, I, by the way, I remind our listeners, we're speaking with Joe Berlinger, the director of Whitey, the United States uh, of America versus James J. Bolger, a documentary that's actually already available on iTunes. Uh, you can also in VOD, but uh, iTunes, I believe, the week it premiered, it was the number one film on iTunes, so check it out. That way, also a theatrical release here in Los Angeles at the uh, West Los Angeles Royal Theater, uh, as well as... I think it's opening in New York, Salem, Massachusetts, Scottsdale, Arizona, and Tucson today. Um, so uh, I think the one thing that emerges for me is uh, that the FBI was deeply involved with Whitey Bulger. Uh, and on whatever level you want to, and I don't want to give anything away here, but their, their fingerprints are all over his life. And, and whatever way you choose to believe it was, but it's uh, it's apparent that, as you put it, we don't know the whole story here. Absolutely. Well, what um, again? And you alluded to it earlier. Uh, what was what has been the reaction generally to to your film? Let's say, um, well, before we go there, one one quick thing, um, remarkable thing. Oh, I don't want to get into this; it's a spoiler. But some of the people that you had access to. Um, there's a tragedy, if you will, in, just before the trial. I just that is such an amazing. I don't know exactly how to work this into our conversation without giving it away. But it, it, there's there. It's I guess the story isn't finished in terms of Whitey and his impact on the people of Boston. Is that a fair way to put it? Uh, well, you know. Or do we know? Is that too, is I mean, we, don't, we don't know. Sensational. We don't know. I don't. You know. Uh, yeah. 
I think I think it would be giving it a little bit away to say okay. <laughs> to, to, okay. to delve in, in there. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, okay. But you know, uh, someone gets killed in the movie, yeah. and and but I don't think Bulger is responsible for that. But I think the fact that members of the you know fi- you know victims' family members, yes. spectators at that trial, the, you know, some members of the press. So many people, when 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 one of those victims' family members turned up dead, uh, which I actually think was coincidental, okay. but when that happened, you know, people who were observing the trial speculated with equal probability in their mind that it was either government interest or Bulger interest that caused the death of this. Uh, okay. This, All right. You know, Bulger victim from yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah, from 30 years and, ago. And, you know, I don't think either explanation, you know, is accurate. I, I, I believe the official story, which is it's completely unrelated. I don't think, you know, I don't think for a million years these, you know, anyone on the government side of this trial, yeah. who actually I think are good guys, you know, the prosecutors who prosecuted Bulger, Bulger are good guys, you know. I don't think they were involved by even the remotest stretch of the imagination. But what was fascinating to me as an outside observer, you know, I'm a New Yorker coming into Boston, so many people were debating with, like, as if it was debating, you know, who's going to win the baseball game with equal probability in their minds that it could have been government interest or Bulger interest. And, And that to me just demonstrated the depth to which people's faith in the system has been completely eroded in Boston because of all of this, you know, multi-decades of bad behavior on the part of law enforcement, some members of law enforcement uh, in the Boston area. I got it. You know, that's the thing. I, I'm not castigating right. Boston law, <clears throat> law enforcement or the, the FBI <clears throat> in general. I mean, there's lots of great people. Bulger wouldn't have been brought to justice if it wasn't for, for some of those great people. Yeah. And the vast majority of people who strap on that gun and take that oath and put on the badge, I yeah. believe, do it for the right reasons. But there was corruption in this story, and, and an ugly kind of corruption that, you know, we need to be vigilant to prevent from and, happening again. And to your point, and absolutely agree with you that it is... And my question really had to do with the impact his legacy has, and you you I, you did a great job of describing that. That's what I was talking about. Not necessarily that Whitey somehow reached out and this happened because of that, but that the, the fact that he has this tremendous sway uh, of, of uh, the, his personality and his, his, obviously his legacy, that's the right way to put it, um, and, the, and the idea of corruption... There's corruption here. We know that. We can see that um, in terms of this story and the way it unfolded. Really important part of it. This is a, a, a remarkable crime drama in, in in the form of a documentary. Um, it's just a beautiful film, uh, Joe. I, I'm, I really, really enjoyed it. Great. Yeah, th- and uh, thank you so much. I know you have a busy day ahead of you, so I thank you for taking the time again. Hey, my pl- my pleasure. And uh, yeah. yeah, so people, if they can't make it to the Royal in L.A., yeah. you know, it's available on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, iTunes. Uh, it's been available since yeah the 27th, and obviously doing very well. Uh, you can look at it there, and also uh, VOD, video yeah. on demand, and at, yeah, and also a terrific theater up here, at the Royal in in West L.A. Um, Joe Berlinger, uh, thank you so much for being here on Film School. Thanks a lot. Take Take, care. You too.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.